Um, I've said this before, and Jim has said this before, but preachers need to be honest about things. And to put all my cards on the table, preachers hate Mother's Day sermons. They are so hard to preach because we are not mothers. There are a lot about there are a lot of things about mothers we don't know, not having been a mother ourselves, and that makes it hard to preach on the topic. People dread Mother's Day sermons for a number of reasons. Some of them, despite our best intentions, preachers tend to make women feel lousy in our Mother's Day sermons. We use these texts and these lofty texts to talk about what a mother should be, and women walk out saying, but I ain't that. We mean well. Please give us credit for intentions. We dread these sermons because some people don't like Mother's Day sermons, because after all, this is church, and church is about God, and sermons should be about God and who we're called to be. I understand that. We'll have more to say on that in a moment. We dread these because not everyone has had the blessing of a good mother. And it's hard to listen to a preacher talk about someone who's so influential in our lives, and some of you did not experience that. They're hard to preach because there are people who have had wonderful godly mothers, but they've since passed on. And Mother's Day is difficult because it brings up those memories. These are tricky sermons. And so I just want to ask for your sympathy at the beginning of the sermon to know that I understand how tricky this can be. But it is Mother's Day, and since I believe this is a concept God talks about, I think it deserves our time and attention from the pulpit. Now, for those of you who've been with Wilshire the last several weeks, you know Jim's been doing this uh, great series, Things I Wish I Knew When I Was Sixteen. It's my understanding that this sermon series is because of Elizabeth. And so I wrote this entire sermon to Elizabeth. Actually, Yodi wrote the sermon and gave me the notes. I'm just telling you what your mother asked me to say. Actually, I think it's great. Not only are these sermons geared, and Jim and I haven't talked about this, but I, but I know Jim well enough to understand. While these sermons are geared towards this section of the auditorium, they are also preached in hopes that the rest of the church overhears them. Because they are conversations that don't just need to take place at church, they need to take place at home. And so this morning, I'm going to be talking to you guys, but with the understanding and hope that the rest of the church overhears this. And so Jim and I were talking, and Jim invited me to preach today. We kind of have a schedule. And Jim and I decided that this theme actually goes very well. Things I wish I knew when I was 16 about mothers. And i got to be completely honest with you. This is a hard sermon for me to preach. Because when I turned 16, my parents got divorced. And my entire image of parenting and my entire image of family was changed by that. And so everything I say to you this this morning comes through that lens. You need to know that about this. But I, in good preacher fashion, I have four points in a poem. It's Mother's Day. You've got to have a poem. Four things, really simple things, not deeply profound, but things that I wish 
I understood or understood better when I was 16 about mothers. Thing number one. Being a mother is extremely difficult. Some of you ladies make this look very simple. You do it with such ease and such grace. It looks very easy. I live with one of those ladies. Delana, look, the reason our family gets to church on time is nothing because of me. She has to drag me out of bed like she drags the rest of the family out of bed. But the things that she accomplishes in a single day are beyond words. And not just on Sunday. And there are so many women, there are so many mothers in here who do that day in and day out. And you make it look easy. But I wish when I was 16, I wish I understood it's not easy to be a mother. Okay, it's Mother's Day, so we have to reference Proverbs 31. It's in our contract as preachers. Proverbs 31 is this great text that concludes the book of Proverbs. Now, on Sunday mornings, we're studying Proverbs in some of our classes. And we've already talked about this. Here's the secret. I'm not convinced that Proverbs 31 is talking about an actual woman. If you read the entire book of Proverbs, wisdom is always personified. It's given human qualities as a woman, which makes sense. It's a father talking to his son. And how do you get a boy's attention? Women. And he says, you need to pursue women. Wisdom is like a woman. Now you've got the boy's attention. And throughout the entire book of Proverbs, wisdom is personified as a woman. But even if Proverbs 31 isn't talking about an actual woman, it's still significant that of all the images that's painted of wisdom, the writer picks a godly woman to do it. And the only reason that metaphor works is if the imagery of Proverbs 31 is grounded in reality. We've all read Proverbs 31, and you look at the job description of a mother. She is a seamstress, a real estate agent, a cook, a farmer, an investor, a philanthropist, dignified, wise, and respected. None of that is easy. Being a mother is difficult. Some of you may have seen, there was this video that went around online recently, where they put out this this job uh, an advertisement for a job, and they brought these people in for this interview. Have you seen this? And it was the interview of a mother. They didn't tell them that. They just explained the qualifications for the job. Qualifications like a minimum of 135 hours a week, but endless. Uh, you Most of your job has been standing up. Uh, holidays, Christmas, Thanksgiving, are actually days that you work harder on. It does not get easier. Vacation time, there's no such thing. Oh, and by the way, it pays nothing. The video's brilliant because the video then shows people saying, who in their right mind would do that? And they said, your mother did. Look, if you understand this, I wish I knew at age 16 that being a mother is extremely difficult. The next time your mother looks at you and says, I carried you for nine months and I was in labor with you for 24 hours. Listen, she's got a point. A valid point. Motherhood is difficult. It's simple. It's not profound. It's not earth shattering. But sometimes we forget the difficulties of motherhood. It's not easy. 
The second thing I wish I understood about motherhood when I was 16 is that being a mother is risky. It's very risky. There's the the beginning stages of, of carrying a child and giving birth to a child. That in and of itself is a miracle of God. Having witnessed the birth of two children, I have more respect for my wife than ever before. It's risky to have a child. I always think of the story of Mary, Luke chapter 2. After Jesus was born, they carried him to the temple. And there was a man there named Simeon who, who God had promised would not see death until he got to see this Savior born. And, and so here Mary and Joseph carry their young baby to the temple and they meet Simeon. And Simeon gives this wonderful speech. It's recorded in chapter 2 of the book of Luke, beginning verse 29. Here are some of, here's some of it. Simeon prays, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother, Mary, this child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul. You know why that's so powerful? Because in this great moment of revelation that Jesus is the one promised and destined and coming to Israel. In this brilliant moment of Simeon prophesying, in essence, what the book of Luke is about. That Jesus will bring about the rise and fall of so many. That God, through this man, this prophet, looks at Mary and says, because of your... of the fact that you're a mother, this is going to be extra painful for you to watch. A sword will pierce your own soul. And Mary was there through the ministry of Jesus. When people made fun of her son as being crazy and out of his mind, she heard that. When Jesus got chased out of a city and went to the next, his mother watched that happen. And we're all familiar with the way the gospel accounts end with Jesus on the cross. And who's there to watch all of that? Can you imagine being a mother and witnessing your own son's execution? The reason that's so powerful is because being a mother is risky. Josh Nichols, who does parenting seminars from time to time, had one here a few years back. And the title of his seminar is The Risk of Parenting. I like that title. Someone once said the moment you have a child, it's as if you remove your own heart and you put it on your sleeve and you wear it there. And it's vulnerable. And it is. Mothers go to bed at night worried if their children are wearing the right pajamas, whether or not they're too hot or too cold. They worry about their child when they go to school, about the friends they're going to make. They worry about their child when they go off to college. You never stop worrying if you're a godly mother. Worry is in the job description. They worry because so many people judge them. Motherhood is one of the worst positions for the judgment of other people. 
If you're a working mother, people say you're not considerate enough of your own children. If you're a stay-at-home mother, people say, what do you do with your time? Uh, just as a side note, we're blessed for Delaney to be able to stay at home. And when people say, well, what does she do all day? I always say, she does the things that most people pay others $1,200 a month to do for free. That's what she does all day. Motherhood is not easy, and it's very, very risky. The judgment of other people. And even your own child. Listen to this, Proverbs chapter 19. Those who do violence to their father and chase away their mother are children who cause shame and reproach. Listen, here's another sub-point, but here's another point. What you do as your mother's child reflects on your mother. This is why she cares how you dress when you leave the house. Because people will see you and say, what kind of mother would dress their child that way? (laughs) Who would raise a child to speak to an adult like that? Who would raise a child not to do their homework? Everything you do reflects on your mother. But she cares at a deeper level than just her own image. Because she's a mother. Being a mother is extremely risky. For your entire life, you worry about your children. For your entire life, you worry if you've been an adequate mother. It's not easy being a mother. Third thing I wish I knew when I was 16 about motherhood is that mothers are human. They're human. They make mistakes just like the rest of us. And they are worthy of forgiveness, just like the rest of us. Proverbs 20, or Matthew chapter 20, I always find this an interesting story. This is the mother of James and John, the sons of thunder. And the mother of James and John is the one who starts this seemingly knuckleheaded conversation with Jesus. Hey, can you give my sons, when you come in your kingdom, can you give my sons the best seats? Let one sit on your right hand and the other sit at your left hand. Now, you and I read this text years removed and we look at that and say, how did she miss this? Servanthood in the church, in the kingdom of God, is about being the lowliest. It's about serving others. It's not about the great seats, but on a motherly level. Mothers, can you you can understand why she wants this for her children, can't you? I mean, there's... It's almost admirable on one hand that she cares enough for her children to want them to have a place of prominence in the kingdom of God. And that she asks, give her credit for asking, she makes a mistake, but give her credit for asking. Because motherhood is risky and because motherhood is difficult, mothers make mistakes. You may have grown up in a family, in a household, where your mother did not honor God and your mother did not serve God and your mother did not care for you. But she's human. And in most cases, mothers do the best they know how to do. And so when you read texts in Scripture that call for forgiveness and call for mercy and call for grace, even the worst mothers deserve that. Mothers make mistakes. They're humans. And they deserve grace. Finally, the one thing I wish at 16 that I knew and understood 
and something that I wish we as the church and the kingdom of God would realize better is that motherhood is a divine calling from God. We don't talk about calling a lot in the church, mostly because what other people have done to it. They've turned it into something more subjective. And But when we do, we sometimes talk about preachers and elders and youth ministers and, and people like that. That's a calling of God. And it is. But so is motherhood. There's a reason when the book of 1 Samuel opens that it's a woman praying to God that she can have a child. Because only God calls you to motherhood. Only God allows motherhood to happen. The only people, the only people who are mothers are the people God chose to be mothers. If you have a child, it's because God gave you that child and the responsibilities that comes with it. Motherhood is a divine calling from God. Nothing else you do in this life, if you are a mother, nothing else is more important than that. If you want a degree, if you want an education, if you want a job, if you want a profession, that's fine, that's great. But listen, your calling to motherhood is more important than anything else that God places before you. However you do with that responsibility is your greatest calling by God. I sometimes get frustrated when people will ask, tell me about your life. Well, I'm just a mom. Just? That's like the President of the United States saying, I I got a little job on the side. Motherhood is a divine calling from God. And how you do at that task has more long-lasting significance than anything else you will ever do. You cannot pay someone else to do your responsibility as a mother. To be there for that child. To do what only mothers can do. Always like Bill Cosby talking about it. never made sense to him why he as a father was the one that took his child outside and taught him to catch a football, taught him how to run, who roughed him up and strengthened him. And then when they make it to the NFL and the camera shines on them, the boy looks and says, Hi, Mom! It's because mothers do things that cannot be explained. It is a divine calling from God. That doesn't mean they won't make mistakes. That doesn't mean they won't be discouraged. But it does mean at the end of the day, God has called them and entrusted them to do something no one else can do. And if you are alive today, if you're hearing my voice, you're sitting in this auditorium or even online someday, if you're a living, breathing person, it doesn't matter what kind of mother you have, it means they did at least one thing well. They got you here. And in some cases, they kept you here. It's their calling from God. Our culture doesn't realize that. For too many people, being a mother is inconvenience. There is a horrific and disgusting video online this week of a woman who wants to show how easy it is to have an abortion. She is giving up on her divine calling from God. Mothers, 
You are a mother only because God smiled on you and entrusted you with the life of another human being. And your calling in life, greater than any other calling, is to protect the child God has given you. To raise that child, to teach that child, to show them the image of what God is like. Even when you rock them at night. It's a divine calling of God. And I wish I understood that when I was 16. Because moms, when you're 16, parents question your sanity as a child. And you question their sanity as a parent. It's a, it's a give and take relationship. And I only wish that as she did her best, and as she made her mistakes, that I understood how difficult it was, and that it is a divine calling of God. So mothers, thank you for answering the call of God. No one else can do what God expects you to do as a mother. And if you're not 16 or if you're not a mother, listen, no one else could do for you the things your mother did for you. I think it's great that our country recognizes a day to honor mothers. But I think it's even more important that we as the church and as God's people help frame motherhood through the lens of Scripture and through the lens of God. I told you today's sermon would be four points in a poem. Jim and I aren't necessarily poetic preachers. I don't know how many times you probably count on one hand the poetry Jim and I have read from the pulpit. We just don't do that. Nothing wrong with it. It's just not our style. But today I make an exception. Because I came across a poem quite a long time ago written by Billy Collins. Billy Collins was the U.S. Poet Laureate from 2001 to 2003. And he captures this brilliant complexity of motherhood, the simplicity, yet the brilliance of motherhood in a poem. This may be the last poem you ever hear me read from the pulpit. The other day I was ricocheting slowly off the blue walls of this room, moving as if underwater from typewriter to piano, from bookshelf to an envelope lying on the floor, when I found myself in the L section of the dictionary, where my eyes fell upon the word lanyard. No cookie nibbled by a French novelist could send one into the past more suddenly, a past where I sat at a workbench at a camp by a deep Adirondack lake, learning how to braid long, thin plastic strips into a lanyard, a gift for my mother. I had never seen anyone use a lanyard or wear one, if that's what you did with them. But that did not keep me from crossing strand over strand and again until I had made a boxy red and white lanyard for my mother. She gave me life and milk from her breast, and I gave her a lanyard. She nursed me in many a sick room, lifted spoons of medicine to my lips, laid cold face cloths on my forehead, and then led me into the airy light and taught me to walk and swim, and I, in turn, presented her with a lanyard. Here are thousands of meals, she said, and here's clothing and good education. And here is your lanyard, I replied, which I made with a little help from my counselor. Here's a breathing body and a beating heart, strong legs and bones and teeth, two clear eyes to read the world, she whispered. And here, I said, is the lanyard I made at camp. 
And here I wish to say to her now is a smaller gift, not the worn truth that you can never repay your mother, but the rueful admission that when she took the two-tone lanyard from my hand, I was sure as a boy could be that this useless, worthless thing I wove out of boredom would be enough to make us even. Mothers, you are a gift of God called with a phenomenal calling that no one else can answer. Your job is difficult. Your job is risky. And you will make mistakes because you're human. But at the end of every day, when you think of your children, remember, God has entrusted you with a divine calling. That the kingdom of God in the history of humanity has always began with a mother with Samuel, with Moses, and with Jesus. God began his greatest works in the womb of a woman. God bless you for what you do. It's thankless work, but it is infinitely important work. Well, it's hard to segue into an invitation out of that. But there is an invitation to be offered. And it's offered because of this divine plan that began again in the life of a young lady. What Simeon saw that day at the temple was the promise of God. What Simeon told Mary would cut her like a sword to her soul is the story of Jesus. That he came and he lived a perfect life and died in our place to give us hope. So we offer the invitation of Jesus to anyone who wants to come into the family of God through faith and baptism in Christ or to come back for the prayers of your brothers and sisters in Christ. We stand and sing to serve you and give you this opportunity now.